Welcome to the Radio Plasma Podcast, a space dedicated to the exchange of ideas, conversations, stories, music, performances, and randomness. Listen at radioplasma.com. Also available on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. I'm your producer and host, Johan Rashi Vega. Today, I'm in the corner of High Street and Suffolk in Holyoke, Massachusetts. The building behind me has the number 295 outside. At the second floor of this building is where I will do this episode of the Radio Plasma podcast. Why am I here? To have a conversation about a subject that every year around this time becomes an important matter not to ignore. No, it's not about the winter weather. It's about taxes the income tax filing process. Radio Plasma visits the office of Holyoke Tax Service, located at the second floor office 207 on 295 High Street in Holyoke, where David Joss is ready for us. Welcome to this edition of the Radio Plasma podcast. And today we are in an office because all of us, we have to submit and file our taxes. And today we're going to talk about taxes. For that purpose, we are at an office that is intended to help with that process. And today we're going to have a conversation with David Joss, an expert in this matter, and give us a little advice and information about how the tax filing is done. And for the ones that are maybe doing it for the first time, or have some questions or concerns, I guess it will be a nice opportunity to have those those concerns cleared. So David, thank you so much for letting us do this session with you and welcome to the Radio Plasma podcast. Oh, well, thank you for coming, Johan. Really appreciate it. To start um, knowing a little bit about you and your work, for how long have you been doing this? I've been doing it for over 10 years. I started uh, with one of the national chains and then I've, I worked for a... Uh, a CPA firm, and I've been doing it on my own for the last few years. This is my first year in my own, have it, having my own office set up. What is for you the main motivation to do this type of work? Well, it's not really so much the numbers. It, it's, it's an opportunity to help people because it's a very, it can, it can become a very complicated process for people. And a lot of, uh, a lot of the firms, especially the national firms, charge very high prices. So I'm trying to provide the per, a personal service to people at a, at a very economical price. What are the most common filings that you, that you get to process every day? The uh, most common filings, I'd say, a lot of the times it would be, uh, be families with kids. They would get a, um, a child tax credit. They could get a earned income credit, that sort of thing. And also people who would work as, as employees there, but they might have uh, unreimbursed business expenses, which they'd have to track, or people could be self-employed, as I am, and they need to track their uh, income and expenses. And also uh, rental income, a lot of people own rental properties, they'd have to track the income and expenses on that. I'm thinking, especially now that you are here in Holyoke uh, providing Uh, the tax filing for for the community, I guess uh, you should have these instances where people have to file or report some incomes that are coming from other 
locations could be maybe uh, people working in Connecticut or people that have some sort of income from Puerto Rico. What are the situations for this type of uh, filings? Sure, I mean, I've done hundreds of Connecticut returns. A lot of people here commute down to Connecticut. So essentially we'd file a Connecticut return and then Massachusetts would give that person a, a credit for what that amount would have been taxed on in Massachusetts. And I mean, we have people who who travel, you know, I did a sound engineer who traveled maybe to 10 different states, so he'd have to do a, a, an income tax return for each of those states that had a state income tax. I did uh, one guy who, uh, who was self-employed in Puerto Rico, so we had special forms for that to, to fill out. So it can get, uh, again, involving multiple states because they have different rules about residency and so forth. When we're talking about self-employment, people starting their own business, they may need a little bit of guidance on how to file their taxes. What will be your advice for someone who is starting a new business and they have no idea on how to go around the whole tax filing and, and registration or anything about that? Yeah, well, I mean, with a sole proprietorship, there's not really a lot of, re of uh, registration involved. If you're doing business under another name, you'd have to register at City Hall. But basically, it's just you. It's not really a separate entity unless you incorporate or form a partnership or something like that. But one of the key things for people starting a new business is that you have self-employment tax. When you work for somebody, you have your Social Security and Medicare. You only have half of it taken out. Your employer pays the other half. But when you're self-employed, you have to pay the entire amount. So that's 15%. And that's in addition to your regular income tax, whatever that comes to. So you'd want to put aside money, possibly estimated tax payments, or else have, if you're work, still working for an employer, have extra withheld because you want to make sure and plan ahead for that because I have a lot of people coming very upset the first year not realizing all the, all the taxes that have to be paid. And when that happens, and let's say they are already uh, late and they realize uh, of all this process, what will be the steps for them to take Well, mostly in that situation, we try to uh, uh, submit for an installment plan so we wouldn't have to pay everything up front. And there, there are different ways we could, uh, we could look at their expenses because normally, you know, if you buy, say for example, you bought a truck for your business, normally you depreciate that over five years, but it is possible to expense something like that, take the expense up front so you'd have, so that would reduce your, your, your profit from the business so you'd have less you'd owe less in taxes that year, but of course then you'd have to plan ahead for the following year, start putting money aside. So there, there are a few things we could do to, uh, to help ease that uh, situation. But as I said, the best thing is to plan ahead, put, put money aside, especially if you're anticipating making a profit. And for individuals that are, especially for families, what do you think are the most common confusion people have sometimes when they bring their paperwork, what it, what it will be the most common errors or things they don't, they don't provide or they don't have or they think it should be done different? Well, the biggest thing is not really so much an error, but it's not the family looking at the big picture together. You might have a couple of kids who are working and a lot of times kids might make a few thousand dollars but claim their own exemption which they wouldn't need to, where the parents could claim it, the parents would get the benefit of that. So it's really, you no know, core. I like to look at the whole family 
all their returns together. You know, and especially when people are separated, you know, it's difficult to get them to to cooperate together to get the, the best situation. You know, you might have the, I mean, typically you might have the, the husband or the ex-husband supporting the kids, but the wife claims the exemptions for the kids, even though she might have a lower income and doesn't really get any benefit from it, but because a lot of the, the personal feelings that kind of interferes with people getting the best deal of taxes. So I like to almost kind of, if I can, try and mediate between people to to work it out so it's the best best deal for everybody involved. Now when we're talking about this type of sometimes negotiation, especially when it, when it is between the family, it uh, getting this common, common yeah. ground on how they're going to figure out the distribution, I guess one of the misconceptions people have is the thing when they come to someone who's going to fill these forms for them, they kind of know tricks or ways to make them get the most possible return. What is the truth about that? How much it can be juggled, if that could be a way to say it? Because, of course, there is no trick. There is no way to trick the system because everybody has to, exactly. to, to pay taxes accordingly to, the, to their income. But how does this work? How, how can we pretty much make it clear for people who think you're going to trick the system for them? It's not really you can trick the system, but there there are different ways of of, of doing things. I mean, as I mentioned, uh, you know how you figure your expenses. Do you do you write off all your expenses in the first year of business, or do you spread it out over the five years? Because especially if you anticipate your your income going up, you want to take fewer expenses at the beginning and have more to carry on. And as I said, a lot of it's with the families. How who who takes the exemptions for the kids if the kids aren't school and college, for example, you could get a credit for that. It might might be beneficial in that case for the kids not the kids to claim the exemptions themselves because then they they'd be able to take the credit whereas the parents' income might be too high. So I mean there's there's probably thousands of different <laughs> situations to look at and I I try and uh, I mean, especially with the software we can we can go through the different scenarios and see which would be the most beneficial way of preparing the tax return. Now that you mentioned software, how easy is now to do this whole process, utilizing the software, specialized software for this purpose, opposite to what it was before when you had to do everything and make the calculations by hand? Well, fortunately back then, the, the, the tax code was a lot simpler, so there were a lot less things to do. But... Uh, I mean, now the difference between having a software is, say, you know, having your, working on your car at home, just using a hand ratchet, where when the software is like you have the, have the impact wrench, you've got all the, all the power, you can do what might take you hours in a matter of minutes. So the, the software, and of course I use professional software, which is very, very powerful. There is, there is free software that you can use, I'd really just recommend for simpler returns, it goes through lots and lots of questions, so it's trying to replace software with or, or, uh, or tax knowledge with uh, colloquia, I think is a word. Asking so many questions that eventually you get to the right answer, but you know, with my tax knowledge and with the, the tools, we can, we can get there much faster and a lot less frustration. What will be your advice for potential clients and returning clients about their paperwork, what they must bring before filing 
so they are sure there's nothing missing. Well, if it's new client, ideally if they can bring the, the prior year's returns, I can take a look at that and see what, what's been done prior years, and then any W-2s, 1099s, and so forth. And then, obviously, if the person is self-employed or has rental, there's a lot of uh, expense records that I need. And also a big thing, if the person's getting an earned income credit for the child, some some sort of uh, evidence that the child's lived with the person, say a, you know, even a report card or something like that from the school or a doctor's doctor's records, because they're very uh, very intensive now about scrutinizing if people have the child's actually lived with the person who who's claiming the child. So with this, it will be um, accurate to say also for everybody to be the most possible updated with their home address information? Yeah, the home address. I mean, that's... The home address itself isn't quite such a big deal. It's that the child lived with a person at that particular home. Another thing is health insurance. It should be a 1099-HC, but the insurance company has been very late sending those out this year, it seems. So, so even an insurance card, we can get the person's subscriber number off of that. That's another big area. People have to have health insurance, and people who've had that advanced credit will have to. Uh, I've done one already. They have to reconcile the advanced credit with what their actual income was, because it's just based on an estimate. The people I did, fortunately, they got a little bit more, but people could end up having to pay some back if they overestimated, or if they underestimated their income. So they would have over been overpaid their credit. So they'd have they'd have to pay some of it back. Mm, average, how much will be the penalty for someone who doesn't have health insurance for a whole year? Uh, I mean, it's impossible to say average. It could be, I mean, it could be nothing if the person had low enough income below the, uh, the poverty. below the poverty level, but it could be, uh, could be hundreds of somebody with a high income. So, I mean, I've had people who high incomes who prefer just to pay the penalty and not not pay for insurance, so that, that is an option, but expensive one. Of course, especially when you require of, of some services that could help with having the health insurance. Well, then course. if you do need service, then you pay for the services too. So, But, uh, I mean, that's going to be a difficult situation now. I mean, it, it's, it's the way it's set up now, it can be difficult to get the credit because they look at if your employer offers health insurance, They'll base the credit on a uh, individual plan, even if you need a family plan. So uh, even myself, I was in a situation where the individual plan was considered affordable, but the family plan wasn't. But I wasn't able to get the credit because they looked at the individual plan. Fortunately, they raised the price, so I was able to get it. But now, now it could be changing again. So <laughs> I don't, I don't know where we're headed on that. Aside of the tax service David provides, also I wanted to ask him about his engagement with the community and his opinion on some current issues in our city, as David is quite involved in the community affairs. But before getting to that, also he wanted to mention the deadline for submitting the tax filing, usually set for April 15, but not for 2017 though. Okay, and I believe you were asking about the, the due date for filing, which is ironically April 18th this year due to uh, 
holidays and weekends and so forth, which is ironic because I believe that's the uh, anniversary of Paul Revere's famous ride of <laughs> protesting the taxes. <laughs> but the, the thing to keep in mind about that, it's not really of much concern if you're getting a refund because refunds you're allowed up to three years to file for a refund or else the, the money, or else the government keeps the money. So in that case, you have nothing to be concerned about. You can always come and see me afterwards. But uh, if you do all taxes, there's an extension form, and you, you file that along with an estimate of what you you think you owe in taxes. Because beyond that date, there'll be interest and penalties and so forth. About those interest and penalties, how severe are those? So there's about, uh, there's up to a 25% late filing fee just for filing your return late if you don't put them in for extension. Mm-hmm. And there's also, I mean, there's a bunch of different penalties and interests that they charge, but there'd be, a, a, you know, several percent. It varies each quarter or each year what the, what the percentage of interest would be. So ideally, you know, even if you can't, if you do owe and you can't pay all of it as much as you can pay, it's good to pay that because then you'll have less that you're paying interest on. Now, moving a little bit from uh, from the tax and the numbers, also I would like to talk with you about all the work that you have been engaged with the community here in Holyoke because you are always present and trying to participate and be, be involved in many activities. And that is something that also says so much about the, what you were mentioning at the beginning, that it's not only about providing a service, but also trying to help the community. So what can you tell us a little bit about that that commitment and, and that engagement that you have in different aspects of the everyday happenings in the city? Oh, well, thank you for, for saying that. Yeah, I mean, I'm very concerned about the community I live in. Uh, you know, my family, I'm raising my, my daughters are grown up, but I've got my grandchildren here. So, you know, instead of just my immediate family, I think of the whole, kind of the whole city as my family. So, for instance, if we don't have fire protection here in Ward 1 and Ward 2, you know, I, I feel it's, it's my own family that's, that's in danger. When I first came to the city quite a few years ago, I saw the great potential here, and I'm really, really hoping we can somehow start realizing that. So I guess that's how I've got involved, seeing how the political process works. If you don't, if you don't get involved, and other people will, and they may not have the community's best interest at heart. It is well known that you have been mentoring City Councilor Nelson Roma for War II, and I love this relationship in terms of how that engagement becomes something beyond the positions that everybody's playing in the, uh, in the different roles in the city, because I see it more like this human connection, this, like you said, oh, a, family, a yeah. family tie that binds you together. Yeah, I mean, it's been difficult at times, but, but Nelson and I have had kind of a father-son relationship, or kind of our whole families. As I said, just as with real families, you know, it doesn't always work out perfectly but you gotta you gotta take the good with the bad and try you know try and, and uh, move forward together if that if that's making any sense and oh yeah <laughs> trying to you know just as you have your kids you know your kids might not always be going in quite the direction you want them to you try and and guide them the right way but you can't come on too strong about it you're just going to resist even more <laughs> how 
do you envision Holyoke for the next maybe five years? Considering all the process and all the changes that we are experiencing right now, from your perspective, how do you see the city moving towards? I mean, I don't see it going in a very good direction now. We've already had the schools taken over and, and our financial situation the way it is. I can, I certainly am, am afraid the state may take over the city entirely. I think the biggest thing for the long run, we have to be more hospitable to uh, bring new businesses and businesses that are, you know, compatible that will, that can see the, the great people we have, see that as a resource. So we've got to try and, you know, if we can't get our taxes under control through controlling expenditures, but just as far as the, you know, building department, those kind of things being more, having the process a lot less difficult for somebody to, to try and open up here. What do you think it will be a nice shift? It could be maybe the government, the city council, the community itself. Well, I think a lot of it's been too top-down, you know, that you might get from City Hall. Well, let's make it an arts community, but is that really what Holyoke's geared to? I mean, to, traditionally it's been an industrial city. We've got the infrastructure for it, so we maybe want to be more geared toward that, you know, not more modern types of industry, but that they can see the, the resources that we have here, I mean, the, the water power and so forth. So I think it's more of that, less, less trying to be top-down and more bottom-up. People see this as a place they can come and, and uh, you know, fulfill their uh, their goals or I'm trying to think of the right word for it, but uh, if they have sort of the vision, you know, not having to be conformed to some master plan, just being able to come in and, and do what they, uh, what they see. Also being involved with many of the activities happening in different sectors of the city, and I'm referring to South Holyoke and the Upper Wards. How do you appreciate right now the the actual condition of different communities? Uh, talking about the Puerto Rican, Irish, you know, the different communities that make Holyoke a whole. When you mention different cultures, that kind of the thing is. There's a lot of similarities between the, the you know the histories of the culture, but they kind of are are separate now. You know, I like I, I like to attend vets for all different cultures. You know, Puerto Rican, Irish, Polish, and so forth. And it would be good if people could see the more the more similarities between the cultures and, and appreciate all the different ones. Because a lot of people would will focus on their own culture, attend a lot of events, which is good, but not also get out and see how the other cultures, all their history, and you can certainly learn a lot from that, from all the different cultures. And as far as, as politically, you know, we have a very, very big imbalance. We have a lot of uh, the more more well-to-do, more politically influential people are more in the upper wards, whereas not here in the lower wards, and you see that, as, you know, as we see with the fire protection, it's all as we're all browned out down here, not not up there. So I'd like to see it more, you know, more equal representation of all the all the different, uh, you know, social political components of our community. Definitely something that we need to keep an eye on with every week and every session at the city council and every new announcement from the city in terms of what is happening and what should be happening. 
I guess you, your commitment, it is word of recognition because you, you always are present when things are happening and where issues that matter should be addressed. And I believe that is what makes a community strong and engaged. Well, I, I really do like our city council. It's a very, I mean, it's a very open process. People can come in and hear things. Not, maybe not all is good over here, but it's out in the open. It's not, it's not something going on behind closed doors. Everybody, everybody hears it. We get a chance at the beginning to have our say. So, I mean, it's a pretty diverse group. It could be more so, but. I mean, I support our city council. I don't always agree with everything, but uh, I'd like to see them have a larger share in, in, in running the city. I mean, I'd re I personally, I'd much rather go to a city manager system where we held somebody accountable for his job performance, but now it's an entirely political process, so it's whoever knows how to win elections gets the job, and that's, that's, that's it. That's the only requirement. Long term, that's a change I like to see, but I, it's it's a long ways off to get there because we probably don't need to get into all the details. But a lot of uh, a lot of economic forces are are behind why it's the way it is now. So, David, you are open for business. You are uh, here on High Street, and you could give a little bit more information about the services you're providing, so the community can be aware of where to come, what to do. Yes, yeah, so I'm at 295 High Street, which is right at the corner of High and Appleton. I'm up on the second floor, room 207. You come up the stairs and keep going around to the left. Essentially, I try to be here on uh, Monday evening, then Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday all day. But uh, you can always call or text me. It's 413-210-0102. Also on Facebook, Holyoke Tax Service. And I have a website, www.holyoketaxservice.com. And I do all, all types of the, the 1040 series uh, returns. So, as I said, you know, from the basic returns for homeowners, uh, self-employed, people who employ business expenses, rentals, any, any type of uh, personal returns, all, all state returns. I, can, uh, I don't have software for other countries, but I certainly... Certainly be happy to take a look at that. And also, you know, planning ahead for your tax picture, like we were talking earlier about uh, if you were going to start being self-employed, you know, what kind of money you might want to be putting aside for your taxes. So planning is an important part of it. Even, you know, what you're going to have withheld from your taxes. You might have a, a child who's, uh, who's turning 17, so you lose a $1,000 credit at that age, so you might want to have a little more withheld at your job, so... I like to take the time to plan ahead with people. A lot of places just come in, do your return, and you know, say, see you next year. But we like to plan ahead so maybe next year will go a little better for you. So certainly it is not only uh, a one-time thing of finding your taxes and see you next year. It is actually um, a long plan ahead, a long relationship building thinking about how to take care of the financials and how to take care of the ways money is utilized for what you receive as an income, but also how do you spend it. That is relevant because it's a relationship. That, oh, that's that you're, that you're it's definitely building a relationship here, yeah. yeah. Because people, once they come in, they come back the next year and, and keep coming back. So I'm very, very proud of that. I've, I've had everybody continue with me who's... Who I've started with as my own as my own business. So. 
Well, David, thank you so much for your advice, for your knowledge, and, and for your commitment to community and the city. I believe this is something that I really wanted for you to share with, with the audience because it's not only the job you're doing here at, uh, at your office, but also everything that you do whenever it is needed for, for the community. So, uh, I, oh, well, I really thank, you so thank you so much. I certainly appreciate you saying that. And, uh, you know, it, it works both ways. You know, you're, you're, we're part of the community. If we want to make it better, we've, that's why I've learned if, if you don't get involved and you really can't count on anybody else doing it or those who do may just do it uh, for more self-serving purposes. So, so if, you, if you care about your community, get involved. This is the Radio Plasma Podcast. We want to thank David Yoss at Holyoke Tech Service for allowing us to produce this episode at his office. I'm your producer and host, Johan Rashivega. Thank you for listening. <laughs>